It's Friday, December 2nd, and you're tuned into the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga, joined by Paul Hoynes. Hoynesy, there was uh, no shortage of Guardians uh, Cleveland baseball news on Thursday. Uh, I'd like to get into uh, all of that, but right off the top, uh, have to mention uh, the passing of Gaylord Perry, uh, one of the all-time greats uh, in Cleveland baseball history, uh, played for the Indians in the 70s, won a Cy Young Award. And uh, uh, we'll we'll get into uh, some stories and some, uh, you know, memories of Gaylord Perry uh, a little bit later on here in the podcast. But, you know, just off the top, uh, you know, a a, a tremendous loss, not just for uh, Cleveland, for the Guardians organization, uh, but for baseball in general, because uh, because he was not just a great pitcher, but he was a great ambassador for the game. Yeah, Joe, uh, just. You know, I remember as a young reporter, I wasn't covering uh, the Indians then, but I went down to do a couple sidebars, uh, you know, just going in the old clubhouse at at Municipal Stadium. I couldn't believe how big he was. You know, he was like he was like six, five then. I mean, and I guess that's in the normal size for pitchers then. But you you didn't realize just how like what a physical presence he was. Uh, Well, uh, we'll we'll spin some yarns about uh Gaylord Perry here in a little bit but first uh uh Thursday was a busy day I think uh I think all the clubs particularly uh you know in the American League uh there were there were some uh teams that were getting their houses in order as they get ready to head to the winter meetings at the end uh, of of this week on Sunday uh they wanted to make sure they had their coaching staffs all lined up and and some roster moves and and a few you know minor uh, signings and, and and trades and all that, but uh, really the, uh, the the big news for Cleveland uh, was that two coaches from Terry Francona's staff, Major League staff, uh, over the last two or three seasons uh, have both found uh, other opportunities, uh, actually moved on and, and moved up. Uh, Brian Sweeney, the bullpen coach the last uh, two, three seasons, has uh, become the pitching coach in Kansas City. Uh, he will work with uh, manager Matt Kataro, uh, who has Cleveland ties as well. Uh, and Justin Toole, who was the assistant hitting coach, uh, he was the hitting analyst, actually, uh, under uh, Chris Valleca this last season uh, and a couple of seasons before that under uh, Ty Van Berkleo. Uh, Justin Toole actually uh, becomes the player development director for the Seattle Mariners. Uh, both pretty big moves. Uh, let's start with Sweeney. Uh, this was this was one that I think uh, not just Terry Francona, but a lot of people saw this move coming uh, as Brian Sweeney had impressed a lot of people. And it was just the kind of guy once you meet him, you kind of know uh, this guy is going places. And, and he certainly, uh, you know, has that opportunity now in Kansas City. Yeah, really an impressive guy, Joe. And uh, I was kind of surprised, you know, during the season. You know, Tito just came out and said, you know, we're not going to keep, we're not going to have this guy very long. You know, he's a good coach. He's a good person. And uh, I, you know, I see this guy being a pitching coach, a big league pitching coach in the near future and bang, he's gone, you know, at the end of the a great season, he's gone. So, you know, best of luck to him. And, uh, you know, just did a great job. I thought with the bullpen, Joe, uh, you know, he had so many young guys down there um, in this, especially this past season. And, you know, they just, they they were, you know, they did a great job. And I think, uh, you know, you have to point to uh, 
to Sweeney's leadership in the pen. You know, probably Brian Shaw helped as well. But, uh, you know, that's, you know, that's a great compliment to Sweeney to, uh, you know, go from the bullpen coach to a big league pitching coach, you know, and what, what, you know, Kevin Cash was uh, Cleveland's bullpen coach, and now he's become one of the most successful managers in the big leagues. So, you know, that's a good, uh, that's a good track to be on. Yeah, I, uh, I definitely don't think uh, pitching coach is the ceiling for, uh, for Brian Sweeney. Uh, I think eventually he could be looking at a, a managerial uh, position at some point or, or being considered for it uh, somewhere along the line. Uh, heck, maybe he even comes back to Cleveland in a few years if, uh, if Tito decides to, to, to step aside. That's how much they like him in this organization. Uh, he, he, he has so much going for him, uh, just like you said, personality-wise. This was a guy, if you ever needed to talk to him about somebody in the bullpen, uh, he was always available, always made time for you, made time for the, uh, the first responders. Uh, obviously, it was pretty well known. He is a volunteer firefighter back home in upstate New York uh, during the off season. So when the uh, when the beeper goes off, he's he's got to he's got to make a decision. You know, is he going to you know jump in and 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 go to the go to the fire, or is he uh, you know you know working his his off season stuff for for baseball? Uh, Sweeney, uh, you talked about at the beginning of the year the biggest question marks for this ball club were in the outfield. And in the bullpen, uh, because you knew the bullpen was going to be extremely young, with the exception of guys like Brian Shaw and Anthony Ghost. Uh, and you knew the outfield was completely just all over the map. Well, the the rookies sort of, uh, you know, solved the problems and solved the questions in the outfield uh, eventually throughout the season. Uh, but it was Sweeney who sort of guided the ship, like you said, with him, uh, with veteran like Shaw. Uh, they developed guys like Trevor Steffen, who really came into his own in his second year. Uh, Sam Hentges, who who found something midway through the season and just became dominant. Uh, they got the most out of Nick Sandlin that they could get. They turned around James Karinchak from a season ago when, you know, the, the wheels fell off the cart for, for Karinchak, and, and he came back and had a dominant year. They had multiple guys in that bullpen go, uh, you know, double-digit scoreless inning stretches throughout the season. Uh, and then, oh, by the way, Emmanuel Classe, uh, leads the leads the majors in saves and appearances. Uh, I, I think everything just sort of came together for Brian Sweeney in the bullpen this year, uh, and it and it pays off in a in a promotion. Yeah, yeah, definitely. They the, the pen was you know one of the best in the big leagues. It was a strength of the ball club. Um, you know they had what kind of Eli Morgan went from the rotation to the to the pen and kind of carried them early. You know, he had a couple rough spots, but then kind of, you know, regained his footing toward the end of the season. But, you know, they just said it was a positive, uh, you know, just a positive season all the way around from the pen and uh, a good job. And uh, I wonder, Joe, who who do you think is going to uh, take his spot? Well, I don't know. Is is Joe Torres a, a a candidate there, or is is he you know more more suited to to, to stay in the role that he's in uh, as like the the number two guy in the dugout with the, with Carl Willis? Uh, you know, it, it takes a different kind of guy to be out there with the uh, with the crazies out in the bullpen uh, like like Sweeney was. Uh, uh, I don't know if they're looking maybe outside the organization, but. Uh, I, I would expect that 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 decision would would come down maybe sometime maybe they find somebody at the winter meetings who uh, who they interview and they they like out there. 
Yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, it, sound, it's, it just feels like an internal hire to me. You know, they've mm-hmm. got so many uh, in this whole pitching group. And I, I like how they say, you know, it's not the pitching coach. It's not the bullpen coach. It's it's the pitching group, you know. So, and I think, you know, there's some guys in, in, the, in the minor league system that probably will, would get a look. Uh, does he have to be a catcher? You know, I mean, uh, Sweeney wasn't a catcher, you know, but Louis Isaac, that always comes to my mind, was a catcher. Cash was a catcher. You know, that, you know, the, do they, I don't know if you have to, so, but I don't think you have to be a catcher to be the bullpen coach. No, it, it helps to be able to throw the gear on once in a while in, in a pinch, if, if that's the case. But, uh, no, I think what really separated Sweeney was his ability to take the, the analytics and apply them uh, to these guys and give them, you know, manageable chunks of, of information that, that, that could work for them and, you know, focus in on specific things. Uh, he, he really did marry the, the idea of analytics uh, to just the personality and, and the individuality of what, what that bullpen was made up of. Uh, and, and it worked. This is, this is a tremendous loss for the Guardians. And it even hurts more because it's going to uh, a, a division rival, and it, it's going to a division rival in, in the Royals that has good young pitching. That that we know Sweeney is going to be able to go over there and and take you know sort of take hold of, and take the reins of, and 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 lead a good group there. So uh, it, this could get scary actually in division if you think about it. Uh, you know what what the Guardians are losing and and what the the Royals are gaining. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, interesting that it, you know that it went. It was an interdivision move, intradivision move, I should say. And um, but you know, I mean, you know, you can't. You you if you're the uh, the Guardians organization, you know, you can't hold a guy back when he gets you know a you know not not a lateral move, but a, you know, kind of a raise. You know, so you 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 know you you let him go, and you know they've done this with the front office guys. Uh, you know, it seems like every se- every off season, uh, the Cleveland organization gets raided by other teams for for their either front office personnel or their coaching personnel, and that's a sign of a good organization. And a good organization always has you know a succession plan you know in in hand. And uh, you know, Chris Antonetti always talks about that. And we'll see you know how they fill this position. Yeah, they uh, you did mention uh, you know you go back to April. And and Tito didn't try to hide it. He said, you know, we know we know we're going to lose him because he's that good. So uh, they they they've had several months to to line somebody up and and get an idea of who they want to be the uh, the next bullpen coach. Uh, you, you mentioned Brian Shaw there. You know, if Shaw didn't have it in his mind that he could uh, he could pitch until he's about seventy five years old, uh, <laughs> maybe Brian Shaw could come back and and be a guy. But I I don't know. It, that you probably get a a funny look out of Brian Shaw if you you even brought up the idea of him coaching the bullpen. Yeah, I talked to him. I remember, you know, when they were eliminated by the Yankees. I talked to him after Game Five, and I said, uh, "Do you want to keep pitching?" He goes, "Oh yeah, I'm. You'll see me somewhere. <laughs> I don't know if I'll be in Cleveland, back in Cleveland, but you'll see me pitching somewhere." So, you know, I think he's he's still got Jesse Orozco's record on his mind, right? Yeah, that's uh, that's several years away. Even at even at his very best, he's he's got a long time to go. So, uh, another guy uh, that we mentioned here that uh, the Guardians are losing their uh, their hitting analyst Justin Tool. Uh, he 
is going to Seattle to become the player development director. Now that's uh, that's actually a, a pretty big step up um, in in the front office there in Seattle, uh, taking over the entire uh, development program. Obviously, uh, these these teams in the American League in particular are are looking at the Guardians, looking at their front office structure, and, and saying, "Hey, uh, we want to we want to model ourselves after them and and sort of take you know some of their special sauce and uh, and 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 apply it to our organization." Uh, that's what the the Mariners are doing in in poaching Justin Tool. Yeah, you know, and it's you know, I, it, I I'm sorry to see him leave uh, because. Whatever they did this past off this past you know season with the Valleca and and Tool and uh, there was another um, Victor Rodriguez and, yeah Victor Rodriguez it worked Joe I mean they they sold you know they they kind of changed you know they were outliers in in Major League Baseball they they changed their approach they 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 you know they sold an approach to a team that that had to hit. The way they they did hit, you know, that weren't they knew they didn't have power, and and they sold that, and the players accepted it, and and Tool was part of that, and you know he's gone, so you know again, you know, do you pl- replace this guy internally? Do you look outside the uh, organization? You know, I, I, again, I think uh, the succession plan. It's going to be interesting to see how it unfolds, but you know, another valuable, you know, a valuable guy that they lost. Uh, you, you bring that up, that idea of a buy-in, and I think uh, with with this young club, with these young hitters, particularly guys like Stephen Kwan, Oscar Gonzalez, who've had so much success last year, uh, even Andres Jimenez, uh, you talk about the concept of buying into, you know, whatever that philosophy was from Vileka and, and Tool and Rodriguez uh, and, and, and just applying it every day. Uh, if if Tool can get that kind of buy-in from the young players in the Seattle system, you know, watch out for them because uh, they'll they'll be fantastic. Uh, again, like like you said, maybe it's an internal hire. Maybe it's you know they went outside the organization to find uh, Valeka and bring him in, and he was so successful last year. You know, maybe there's a guy out there that uh, that can mesh with Valeka and and continue that development at the major league level for guys like Quan and, and Gonzalez and, and Jimenez, the, the, the young core of guys who, who, uh, you know, you'd like to see take that next step next season. Yeah, that's a great point. Uh, you know, probably, you know, I'm sure Valleca knows some, some people, you know, that, that he would, he would, you know, suggest that may, uh, you know, they could bring in an interview. I'm sure they have people in the minor league system and tool, you know, his background, what was, you know, extensive, you know, what he played in the minors for a long time. Uh, he was what he wrote a book about playing what all, all nine positions, all nine positions in one game. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Maybe that's where his background, you know, he feels most comfortable at is is in the minor league, uh, you know, part of this game and developing players. But that's that's a huge step. So, you know, good for him and uh, best of luck to him. Yeah, you talk about a, a homegrown guy. He was a, an undrafted free agent uh, that the, the Cleveland signed in 2009. And, you know, he's been with the organization ever since. And he's he's worked his way up. And and, and uh, you know, once he became a coach, he. he he did it at all the levels uh, on his way to to the major league. So, uh, just a, a a really good success story there. Uh, you know, homegrown guy that the the Guardians, uh, you know, I'm sure wish nothing but the best for as he goes out to Seattle. Uh, another guy they they wish the best for, and they 
they sort of made contingency plans that uh, that he'll be in a position to help them out uh, somewhere down the line. Anthony Ghost uh, signed to a minor league contract, a two-year minor league contract, uh, because uh, this year, uh, this upcoming season in 2023, he's going to be rehabbing for most of the season uh, as he comes back from uh, elbow reconstructive surgery. Yeah, just uh, r- really a cool deal. Uh, I, I think you don't really see you know many uh, two-year minor league deals, Joe. I, you know, I, I, when was the last time we saw something like that? I, I, I don't know. And I think that's just you know kind of a, you know, a testament to uh, you know the Guardians how they feel about ghosts. You know how they've uh, you know they've been impressed with the ways you know he attacked going from uh, you know an outfielder who made his big league debut what with Toronto in 2012 uh, and then you know made the shift in 2017 he wanted to be a pitcher you know he just he felt he you know didn't hit enough as as uh, you know as an offensive player you know and he had to you know work his way through the minor league system with with Detroit and and uh, Toronto I mean, with Detroit and Texas and then Cleveland finally, you know, acquired him and he had to work his way up through there. Finally made his big league debut in, in 2021 as a pitcher. And uh, you just got to give the guy credit. And, uh, you know, from, you know, you, you talk to everybody in the organization. They, they love this guy and they're giving him a chance here. You know, I thought what Chris Antonetti said after the season, you know, we want this this. You know, Ghost's story isn't over yet just because what they DFA'd him and, and took him off the roster. We want to see how this thing, you know, eventually uh, unfolds and we'd like to keep him in the organization. And we, we think there's we'll, we'll eventually see, you know, a, you know, a top shelf uh, a major league reliever. And, you know, they lived up to the word by signing him to this to this uh, two year minor league deal. And. You know, hopefully, uh, you know, we see Anthony uh, come out the other end of the tunnel. Yeah, maybe there's a maybe there's a Disney movie, uh, you know, in in line uh, for the, the the life story of Anthony Ghost as he, uh, you know, made it back against all odds and, and that kind of thing. Uh, who knows? Uh, we, we, we've seen uh, stuff like that before. So, uh, yeah, just a, a great uh, a great opportunity for Ghost and, and good to know that he'll be around and. And, you know, he'll he'll have an opportunity to, to come back at some point, uh, hopefully, if he uh, attacks the rehab the way he did, uh, you know, becoming a pitcher in the first place. Uh, wanted to mention uh, the announcement uh, the other day that uh, Guardians uh, Fan Fest, uh, the, the annual uh, sort of winter gathering, uh, hot stove gathering at the Huntington Convention Center of Cleveland, uh, that is now set for January 21st. Uh, the club made the announcement uh, earlier this week. Uh, it's the first time in, in what, two, uh, three years that we'll be uh, back in person for uh, Guards Fest 2023. Uh, first time, uh, you know, under the new uh, the, the new team nickname, Guardians, that uh, you'll have a fan festival. A uh, chance to meet players, get autographs, uh, you know, have all the interactive games and, and uh, see the memorabilia and and all, uh, you know, Slider and the mascots will all be there. Interviews on the main stage with Hammy and and, and all the guys. Uh, just a, a great day, a fun day, and uh, a good time to to sort of reconnect with some of these players off the field uh, for the first time uh, since the pandemic hit. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm really happy that they brought this back, Joe. Uh, you know, especially for the fans. You know, it's it's a sign of, uh, you know, the precursor to spring training. It's a sign that baseball is on the way again. And it's just, you know, you talk to the fans that are there and they love it. You know, you they, you know, it's just, uh, you know, a celebration of baseball. It's kind of like a, you know, a mini fan fest to the to the all-star game, I think. And it just, you know, gets the season going in the right way. And I think, you know, they really missed it the last couple of years because of the pandemic. Yeah, think about the, the enthusiasm they could have generated prior to this season uh, if they had had one. Uh, as as the guardians, you know, to to sort of introduce all the the new gear and the the the, the logos and and all that kind of stuff. Uh, hopefully, they have something uh, special in store for us at at this uh, at this event. Really looking forward to it. And and again, you know, just the the opportunity to get together and and see the other uh, the other beat writers, the other reporters, uh, hanging out, talking to 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 players and coaches, and uh, just a, a a good time. Uh, always circle the date on the uh, on the calendar when uh, the the fan festival takes place. Uh, getting back to Gaylord Perry and just uh, you know our our memories of uh, the guy who wrote the book on the spitball. I mean, think about it. This is the guy <laughs> who literally wrote the book on the spitball. Uh, what what comes to mind when you think about Gaylord Perry and not just what he meant to the organization? You know, obviously. Uh, you know his his name is all over the record books. Uh, his time in Cleveland, uh, although it was pretty brief, uh, he was dominant when he was here. Uh, what what comes to mind when you think about Gaylord Perry? Uh, you know, uh, besides just you know lathering up a ball with uh, with some sort of sticky something. <laughs> yeah, I I just um, I remember uh, you know what just in in writing about him yesterday. You know, in 1972, when he won the Cy Young Award, he made 41 appearances, Joe, 40 starts, and he had a, a decision or a save in 41 games. I mean, this guy threw, that year he threw 29 complete games, over 300 innings. This year, in throughout the big leagues, there were only 35 complete games thrown. So, you know, that shows you how the game has changed, but it also shows you the durability that that he threw that that Perry had, and I think he threw over what 300 complete games in his career, some some crazy number like that, and just uh, yeah yeah you know he had the uh, he had the the spitball he he you know he he I don't but I it probably you know when when you're reading stuff and you, and you're listening to interviews. You know, he may not have thrown it as much as people thought he did, but he was great at getting in between, worming his way into in between hitters' ears and thinking, you know, thinking that he was throwing it. So that worked in it. That worked in it to his advantage as well. Yeah, I, I just the the gamesmanship and the, you know, he, he not a guy who a, a guy who could come out and overpower you if he needed to at times, but even more so, just get in between your ears. And and pitch to you and just be a be a pitcher. That that's sort of what he uh, he definitely had. And 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 uh, just watching old videos and and looking and pouring through stats and and pouring through the record books and and just the way that uh, the other other teammates and contemporaries uh, you know thought of him at the time uh, during that time when he uh, he he won the Cy Young in in what seventy two with uh, with Cleveland. And then uh, when he was traded away, I believe he was traded away in 74. 
75 and, i mean 75 yeah you know you know it, it's just even in those those seasons there, he was dominant when he went to the to the Padres as well. Yeah, he won the Cy Young again in uh, what the first pitcher to uh, win the Cy Young in both leagues. He won it uh, with the Padres, I believe, in '78. Uh, you know, won 313 games in his career. I mean, Joe, we're we're never going to see. We we might not see and we might never see another 300 game winner. I mean, I'm sure that somebody's going to come along and win 300 games, but it's not going to be. Uh, you know, it's not going to be as prevalent a, as it used to. But you know, guys like this that what through 29 complete games a year that threw over 300 innings. I think he went over 300 innings five times. 120. Oh. Or won won twenty games five times. He had five seasons of twenty wins. You know, you just don't see that anymore because yeah. pitchers don't go that deep into games anymore. Well, that those are numbers that you don't see because nowadays, the, I, and and the velocity is is so much higher now. I, I you've got guys that average their fastballs in the the mid to upper nineties. You know, I don't think Gaylord Perry, if, if he was touching. You know the mid to upper 90s. That that was a rarity. Uh, I'm sure he he probably sat more in the 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 mid the, the low to mid 90s uh, with his fastball. But you know they they throw so much harder that they can only go a, a certain number of pitches. And you you know so much more about arm care and preserving pitchers nowadays that you're right. That you'll never see a pitcher like Gaylor Perry uh, again, and, and pitchers of his generation that were just those workhorses that. You know, 300 innings. You, you say 300 innings, and it's like, wow. Nowadays, 200 innings. You're you're you've had a hell of a season if you you get 30 starts and 200 innings under your belt. So, uh, yeah, just uh, a remarkable pitcher, uh, and 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 a great, like we said, uh, a great ambassador for the game. Uh, was was really well well admired and, and well loved in in all of the uh, what eight different cities he pitched in. So, uh, yeah. just. Just loved uh, by 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 so many. Uh, tremendous loss for baseball in the Hall of Fame, and and uh, you know just one of the great, one of the all time great uh, Cleveland baseball players ever to 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 play in in town here. Yeah, his brother. What he he pitched with his brother, I think, in '74 in Cleveland. His brother Jim, his older brother, won 215 games in the big league. So you know Gaylord and and Jim Perry. Our, the second winning his brother, you know, d- brother act uh, in the big leagues next to the Negro brothers. Right, exactly. All right, Hoinsie, that's going to wrap it up for uh, this week on the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. Uh, we'll check back in with you on Monday as the winter meetings get uh, cranking, and we'll uh, we'll see if the Guardians can make any moves. All right, Joe.